Welcome along to the latest edition of the Irish F1 show in association with PFT Travel. Weddings and stags, do's and functions, wherever you need to go, whether it's to a game, maybe up to Mandela Park, whatever the crack, uh, PFT Travel is who you want to go to. MJ Farrell will look after you there on that. They're on Facebook and Instagram social media channels. Murray Motorsport came on board with us for the Irish Rally podcast and they're with us here on the Irish F1 show as well. And they've also offered a 10% discount code for our listeners. So if you put in Irish Rally podcast into the apply discount code section on Murray Motorsport, you will get a 10% discount on a wide variety of products. And thanks also to, of course, Richard Carney Engineering, Palastorage.ie, Deliver It, KSNPM, Rapco, and all the crew there as well. So let's get down to business. So over the past couple of weeks, we had Peter Collins on, we had Connor, Murray, Connor um, Moore on, I was going to say Conor McGregor, he does a good impersonation of him too. But we all know here's the two biggest celebrities, Richard Carney and Barry Rabbit. How are we getting on, gents? We're all good, we're all good. What's the story? Well, we're a little bit later than usual. Uh, apologies for, for this, but uh, we kind of figured at the same time, maybe there wasn't as much time pressure on as we thought, given the fact that we now have a bit of a sabbatical. So all of a slap, we've had a hectic start, and now we've time to kind of reassess, recalibrate, and, and digest. So... On that note, Barry, um, I suppose we, we will we will go into that in a minute, I should say, really, is probably the best way to do it, because I want to chat to you about a few other bits and pieces first. Namely, the stunning liveries on the automobiles that the rabbits will be sporting this year. So maybe you'll tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've added a new car to the, to the Rabbit Brothers Racing Stable, uh, Delara F3 12, um, which I'll be campaigning this year in the Boss Series. So um, yeah, that's that's for me. And then basically, um, Shane has taken over the, my Renault, and Keith, the youngest brother, has taken over Shane's Renault. So it's uh, yeah, it's all changed. So they've all been uh, re-graphicked up. Mine is kind of a similar enough color scheme to how the Renault was, the blue and green. Um, like you can see in the Deliverant Palace Storage logos there on the screen. And then Shane's has gone a bit F1 spec with the 2009 brown uh, colors, mm. so white with fluorescent yellow. Um, and then Keats is somewhere in between the two of them. It's a bit of a Keats kind of color has always been pink. He's always had a pink accent on his car, so he's gone with the the, the blue and pink sort of look. So there there there's similarities between them, but they're all unique in their own right. They're all done expertly in Rapco, of course. Like that one, Barry. Hey, come here. Uh, they're not bad. They're not bad hand-me-downs to be getting, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in fairness now. Yeah. Richie, how's things going for you? I saw a picture of uh, your piece of machinery there recently. So what's on the agenda? Yeah, much the same as Barry. I had the pleasure of joining Barry last week in Mandela for a test day. Uh, the boys were shaking down their Barry was shaking down his new X3 and Shane and Keith were out in the in the two Renaults and, and Barry invited me along for the day to do a bit of testing on my own with my own former Shane and we're changed this year on slicks and wets, so it was uh, something new to learn for me as well. Um, the day was invaluable. We, we had great weather considering what it, uh, it was expected, but um, yeah, full steam ahead from here on now for, I'd say, me and Barry and a uh, hundred other people across the country getting ready for next weekend. Mm-hmm. Lads, uh, I noticed Alex Denning is now going to be part of the Aston Martin Academy. Is that correct, lads? Yeah, I've just yeah, seen that. Day, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, see, see something about that the other day. Yeah, so he would have, uh, he's young, young racing driver of the year for uh, 2022 or 23. I don't know how they do it, but um, this year, anyways. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he's signed up to some Aston Martin affiliate program, I think, as a young driver. There's a lot of them on the go, you know. They kind of, um, it's good, it's a two way street, you know. Um, it's so he gets the kind of the kudos of having the Aston Martin name beside him as such and makes it, makes it easier to progress. Um, like most driver academies, it's a bit more to it than meets the eye. You know, it's it's as I said, two way street is probably the best way of describing it. Um, you, you you go along and you you join them as much as they join you as such, um, and then it, it it just helps raise his profile. Um, and you'd be paying a few quid for it, I'm sure, or there's some sort of deal done. But it's uh, it's they don't they don't take on guys that, that haven't got the ability, and um, Alex definitely has that. So best of luck to him. Another Alex, of course, as well, by the name of Dunn, is just about to embark, I think, on the uh, F3, isn't he, campaign. Um, and he's a Ferrari, isn't he, in the Ferrari Academy, Richie? I don't know if he actually made it into the Ferrari Academy. I know he was down to the final four or five. Um, same thing again, it's like very saying about Alex Denning, and congratulations, Alex, you know, just to have those names, Aston Martin, Ferrari, linked with you. Um, Barry says cost a few quid, but when when your names are tied to those big names, it certainly helps you climb the ladder and and hopefully that both Alex's can can climb the ladder and, and make it there eventually. Both super talented guys. Mhm. Uh, I was chatting to one right the other day, boys. I literally stumbled across this. Do you know what I was trying to look for? Right, I was trying to look for the Carlos Sainz and uh, Carlos Sainz Senior that is, and Austin McHale race back in Mandela in 98. It was all a Toyota team thing. And um, I don't know, not too long after that, Jordan obviously did their day where uh, David Kennedy drove the, was it the 199? Um, yeah, it was 1999, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, by, by sheer coincidence, I stumbled across the Fiesta Endurance race from the end of last year, which I hadn't watched, and I just thought it was great entertainment. And uh, it gave one a nice little rub about it as well, because... Uh, he had a little uh, altercation <laughs> at one particular point, and uh, it just it looked like great crack in general. And Richard, you were you a crew chief for someone there, were you? Normally, I compete in it. Normally, I drive in it. I've done it with Barry a few times. Um, done it with other teams. It's 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 mega crack. It's it's like one of the highlights of the race season for us. It's it's really good crack. Mm, yeah. Um, listen, lads, the next track there you may give me a shout. I know we mentioned it already, but uh, that sound, sounds like good fun. Uh, MJ has actually promised me a spin now. He's a brave man. <laughs> but uh, what do you call it? We'll have to sign some disclaimer, I think. But they're very much looking forward to that. Sure. By all accounts, we, we may have a, a big, big name uh, going for a spin with Baz at some stage. So, yeah, keep your ear out for that one, lads. Right, we'll chat a bit about F1. It is Derrish F1 show. <laughs> and uh, it's been a few days since Australia, guys, but... I mean, it wasn't it wasn't without incident. Um, but as a general overview, with the with the benefit of uh, a bit of hindsight now, Brian Rabbit, what did you make of it all? Yeah, it wasn't a bad. I mean, I think um, the race itself it seems to be a firm favourite for those that attend it, but it's never really given great racing through the years. Um, but it, it wasn't. I think it was a similar, you know, similar enough case this year. Uh, overshadowed of course by the last few minutes with the, the the red flags well there was a red flag early in the race of course but predominantly the the ones at the end and the bit of controversy there um <clears throat> but yeah as a race it was all right it was all, all kind of kicked off and then you know the, really the main talking points um 
all, all come around the, the, the you know how how they operated the red flags and the safety cars which was um yeah it's it's i think they're just getting themselves into a bit of a into a bit of a mess with too many rules and too many precedents and um <clears throat> it's getting it's getting a bit messy yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And we spent most of last year talking about rule books, didn't we? Like, we're, we're blowing the face talking about it. The one thing, Richie, that really struck me out of everything, right, was how quickly Alonso had the wherewithal to think to himself, this has happened before. There's previous Silverstone. Literally, like, it felt like milliseconds and he had that message gone back, um, which probably isn't that surprising, but also, I suppose, quite impressive, yeah? Yeah, I honestly like, like I thought the very same when I heard the, the radio message. Like, like that that's a driver that's thinking on his feet, really and truly. Like, I mean, um, all what, what chaos is going on around him, and he still can revert his brain to Silverstone last year to an incident, you know, regarding a similar penalty. But um, honestly, if there's one or two other drivers on the grid that would be thinking in the same lines as Alonso that's about it at best like that's just the caliber of Alonso really and truly mm -hmm. Barry you, you've got to be impressed with him this year like obviously there's been uh, an improvement in terms of what he's, he's driving around in but I mean take, we'll take the ego side out of it and and everybody's banging the drum of saying he he will win races or he could win races if he was in a in a good car having said all that and taking into consideration while it might not be a surprise it is really one of the biggest talking points that we've seen so far, in my opinion, anyway. Is that something you go along with? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just uh, just in terms of the improvement of the car, I, I, I would say Alonso probably isn't doing any better than he ever has. And I think it's a point that's lost on a lot of <clears throat> casual observers of F1 in general, that they, they equate too linearly the, you know, the result with the ability. Um, and... Those who How about the studied age, the sport, I don't think. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's age as in a number. I don't think you get you lose the speed naturally. It may be a little bit, tiniest bit, um, <clears throat> but you can make up for that in in experience. What really, what really um, is the first to go? I think is just your, just the desire to do it. You know, um, is what what will go before anything else, and that's normally what happens. And but I think Alonso is a special case. You know, he's, you know, he's 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 no kids or anything like that. He's, you know, he's not. He's got nothing dragging him away from the sport. He's a massive fan of motor racing, as opposed to F1, um, which sometimes gets, you know, conflated. They're two totally different things. And um, Alonso, we've seen that he's done the Mon, he's done, um, he's done the Indy 500. He's done a bit of safari type stuff or. Um, Paris Dakar type thing, I think as well. You know, he's in a cart every other time. You see him; he's got a young driver academy of his own. He's into, you know, he's got an e, an e esports team. All this sort of thing. He's just a big fan of motor racing, um, and it's his lifestyle. Uh, it's his, you know, he doesn't have to get home for for family reasons or anything else. So I th I think the desire is still there, um, and that's probably you know coincides with age but i don't think it's age in itself that's the that's normally the problem yeah richie to bring in on this right uh for me i'm not a racer i don't have the same mindset as you guys have but what i really am impressed with is i would find without being ages that as years go on you might be a little bit more hesitant to go for a gap that maybe you once they go for he's still going for them and that for me is the most impressive thing and i don't recall too many f1 drivers down through the years that have number one stay going to his age and number two 
being able to do what he's still able to do at that level. Uh, any any kind of views on that? Well, the thing like going for the gap that that'll never leave you as a as a driver. You know, you, you'll always have that regardless. And and if anything, the older you get, nearly the more risk you'll take. Um, you think? But yeah, he's he's a phenomenon. In fairness to him, he's you know his mm. fitness levels, his his aggression, as Barry said, his his enthusiasm for the sport is is you know it's next level. Like. Um, Everything, everything revolves around motorsport for him. Um, but like that phenomenal talent, um, age, age in motorsport, it's not like um, you know, it's it's not like a Premier League soccer player that gets to thirty five or thirty six and where superhuman fitness comes into it. Yes, racing drivers, Formula One drivers, they have to be fit, but you know, there's an awful lot more in the driving side of it, in the psychological side of it, it's, it's nearly more important to keep your mind fit as a racing driver, nearly more so than your body, Like as, as I say, like a Premier League soccer player type thing. But um, no, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I could see Alonso doing this for another two, three seasons easily. Mm. So I'm going to count you on that, Richie, and it's not because of the athletic side of it, right? But... I will draw a parallel in a comparison to the world of rallying, where Loeb is just an exception. And even there last weekend, he took out the new Skoda and won. And Bet Mickelson, who's a good bit younger than he is, albeit, you know, um, you know, a top-class driver as well. And we currently will say in rallying have um, the like of maybe, we'll say, Eugene Donnelly, a five-time champion, who now is, is fairly well on. And he's nowhere near winning a rally, okay? And that's... For me, it seems in that world, it does come down to maybe pushing and, and, and the risk. And often these guys are in machinery that are as good as the guys on the sharp end. And reflex is something that's mentioned an awful lot. So just as a, an observer, how is that then, from my point of view, we'll say, how is that not the same when it comes to circuit racing? Where does that differ? I'm curious. Well, it, it's not a, it is the same. Just like when you refer to the genie there, like... I haven't seen him rally the latest spec WRC car in, in a good few years. Um, and I do believe you put Donnelly back out in, in the same spec machinery that the Moffats of this world are winning rallies in. You know, I, I do think Eugene Donnelly would, would compete and would win rallies, just, just to take your point. Yeah, OK. Well, I'll switch it to McNulty then. Right. Sorry, Donnelly probably wasn't the best example. McNulty is in, or was in the last couple of years, machinery... That would be considered near enough on par, and that's not there. But so I think that's... the difference is it's clubman stuff too. You know, it's it's unfair to 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 compare. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I know the names you're talking about. I actually, you know, spoke to Eugene Donnelly one day about racing. He did a race with us years ago. So I I know them. I wouldn't have the in-depth knowledge you guys have on the rallying side of stuff. But you know, to compare a clubman to um to to Loeb, uh, uh, equally to compare a clubman racer to an Alonso is, is I don't think, it, I think the, the difference there is, you know, Alonso can get up in the morning and spend six hours, you know, making sure that he's fit and eating right and all the rest of it. And, you know, generally at a club level, you don't, you don't get to do that. I mean, I had that myself, even like driving the F3 car last week. It's I mean, make no mistakes. It is a brutal environment to be in. It's, you know, mm. it's physically very demanding. It's violent. You know, it's it's yeah. I'm you know I'm similar age to Alonso. I could do it, but you know I got to get up and go to work in the morning. I got to 
you know, I've sick kids at home. That mean I get two or three hours sleep the night before jumping into an F three car. It's not the same, you know. Yeah, get you. Um, yeah. You know, now it's obviously, you know, it's not just that. There's, you know, the Alonso level of ability comes into it too. Don't get me wrong, but when it, if it's your job versus it's your hobby, I think it's unfair to compare just because the age is the same. Um, it's two different things. But I, I think in 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 uh, I mean Loeb's case, he's, he's you know he's just a you know an alien in terms of ability in in in, in any form of vehicle never mind probably doesn't even have to be a car like you know so um mm. <laughs> he's you know like you say i've seen it from the outside he's come back and won races you know dipped his foot in done one or two rallies and, and and won at a world level um but no the age thing is is really desire i think which i think is desire i think you've um you've, you have to put a lot of work into getting on the grid when you get you know that bit older um and you have to sacrifice more ultimately and that's probably what goes first, more so than the absolute ability or the, you know, the the kind of the balls of it. Let's say I think that that's pretty static. Hmm. Interesting. I, I your audio levels change there too. It's like you. It's like you. No, for for a good way. It's like you hit puberty Over. and your voice broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a bit of a cold at the moment, so it's quite possible that <laughs> just released in my throat in the middle of the sentence. <laughs> you were born in a leap year. Maybe you did hit puberty. <laughs> I'm only joking. Ten, Barry was not. Barry, Barry, Barry was not born in a leap year. Just to put it out there. And uh, also, actually, you should probably put out a disclaimer. Uh, we were in no way taken from the character. Of Peter Collins and Connor Moore earlier, we mentioned that these are the two biggest celebrities in Ireland. Oh no, they're up there. They are up there. Um, I just thought, guys, the the, the chat with Peter Collins. Uh, <laughs> it was a shame we had some technical difficulties and we had to do a phone or instead of the the, the video <laughs> stuff. And um, just one of those things, unfortunate. But there was still so much in it that I thought was was so interesting. Both from okay, I'm a little bit biased as, as a broadcaster or whatever, there was parallels you could draw and there was understandings you could take from it. But also, the learnings for the Ordinary Joe Soap as well were incredible. Like, he has some story to tell and literally nobody will ever get to tell a story anywhere near what he was lucky enough to experience. And the thing is, he knows he was lucky. They knew at the time that it was going to be once in a lifetime. I just thought it was fascinating. What did you guys think of it? Yeah, I think it was a great interview. I listened to it back the, the evening after you, you uploaded it. Um, very interesting. I, it's some some of it, were, it caught me unawares because I would have, I, I you know, I never really watched F one on RTE for no particular reason other than I had, I had the you know the alternative option which would have been so as BBC at the time, and I just kind of watched that. But so the whole kind of RTE uh, F one thing kind of passed me by a little bit. So from my point of view, it was quite interesting to listen back to it. To, to see, to see people mention how big a part it was of their you know f- you know uh, love of F1 and racing in general, um, you know the pit lane reporter was Declan Quigley. As far as I was concerned, Declan Quigley raced Formula V's in Mondello, you know, and that's that's where I knew him from. Um, first and foremost, as opposed to uh, an RTE uh, Formula One presenter, so it was just interesting from my point of view how you could have a totally different view on it. Um, even though I followed the sport, but because I didn't particularly watch the program, um, you know, because I kind of came in before that and was kind of hooked on the BBC stuff. But it, yeah, he, they definitely knew they were uh, they were privileged at the time. I remember Declan even saying that in, in, in you know, kind of pinching himself going, you know, a racing fan that raced himself in Formula V's quite well too. Um, you know, but oh, I can't do this race. I have to go to, can't do this race in Mandela this weekend. I have to go to the F1 and spa or whatever you know it was a great great opportunity for them guys for sure 
Mm. Richie? Yeah, it's just more or less the same as what yourself and Barry were saying. Like the stories he has to tell. Um, I mean, you could have you could have sat down with him for three or four hours, really, if you wanted. Um, really interesting guy. Really, I I I did watch the RT broadcasting of of DF1, and and I I just remember sitting there as a young fella looking at it and and thinking, my God, what a job, what a job to have. And then you know later on, like Barry. Declan Quigley raced Formula V's in Mondello, like, and to see this guy strutting around the paddock in Mondello after watching him at an F1 race a week previous, you know, it was in the it, same race suit. Do you remember that, Richie? Yeah, same race suit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, blue and green, a green, yeah. green over blue race suit that had RTE emblazoned on the RTE chest. Rotten. Yeah, and, and like so, super cool. Like, like that we can relate to it that way. And, and the interview you done with him was was next to none as well. You should be. Credited as well, Kev. We'll take that, Richie. We'll take that cover from you since you abused me playing football for 20 years. Right? <laughs> 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 oh, thanks a million, lad. But listen, like, I think what shouldn't be understated in all of that was the profile that would have brought to circuit racing in Ireland, uh, Mondello probably in particular, um, by having what you just said, Quigley going around the place. Um, the You know, I kind of mentioned it there briefly about the Jordan thing being televised when David Kennedy was driving it around and RT also televised that Austin McHale and Carlos Sainz race, which, you know, we just don't see that now uh, for various reasons. And all motorsport has suffered, you know? I don't think, I, I think the two of those things happen at the same time. It's kind of, cause what did I say? A causation or a correlation. I don't, I, I don't think they were directly connected. Um, you got Like I've been going to Modelo since the early nineties as a kid, you know, my uncle would have raced there and stuff. And the Leinster trophy, was always um, on, TV. on TV live on Sunday Sport or whatever it was called. Um, there was all you know. There was a bigger, bigger gathering of people in general at it. Um, mm. So <clears throat> I don't think that would have been directly as a result of the F one. I think mm. there was obviously some crossover, and a bit, you know, one one fed the other a little bit. Um, mm. But just in general, there was more. There was more place, I think, for. For niche sports in general, uh, you know, on the broadcast, um, it doesn't seem. To, it, I think it's a bit more kind of they put all their eggs in one basket these days, you know, with with, with sports and that. Um, so yeah, it would have been it would have been a big part of of racing through the years, and the, you know, there was as a result, there was a kind of a very high professional level of it. You know, there was guys that you know, like you're. At, we spoke earlier of likes of Alex Stone and stuff who's gone on racing. Um, he's doing the GB3, which is basically F3 by a new name this year. He's F4 champion. Um, you know. A few years back in the nineties, you know, the Alex Dunn's of this world then wouldn't. His dad, I mean, don't have to think too far. Noel Dunn, Alex's dad, was a very accomplished racing driver, um, very, very, very quick in a number of things. Um, but the first place he would have raced is in Ireland, the Mondello, and there was a there was a thing that you didn't leave, you didn't go to England until you bet the Irish guys, you know. Um, namely, there was people like um, Vivian Daly would have been one who would have been Derek Daly's brother. Um, he he raced in Ireland in Formula Opel Lotus uh, single seaters, uh, two liter single seaters, beautiful cars, and he, you know, he would have been a kind of a what would you call like a journeyman in terms of Irish racing, very 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 talented driver. You know, came from the Daly family. We all know how quick them guys are. Um, and but he stayed in Ireland, you know, with proper sponsorship, sponsored by Abercrombie and Two FM and all these guys, and. You know, you didn't. There was no point in going to England until you bet Vivian. 
you know, because mm-hmm. he was now he would have been, you know, a nice bit older than the younger guys coming up. So they had it, it had that kind of uh, just a different a different sort of level that it has now. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it coincided great with it with the F one. But I think it was there anyway. I think I think yeah. it, I don't think it was as a result of the F one. I think both helped each other. Um, so yeah, in years past, you know, Alex. Noel, in the case of his dad, would have came and he would have raced with Castrol sponsorship, Cliff Dempsey racing in Opel Otis. And it wasn't until he won, which I think he did win that championship, that he would even consider going to the UK, um, which he did in turn. So different times for a whole host of different reasons. And it's a pity that we don't have anything like that these days to to capture a sight of the, the new guys coming up through the sport. You know, it would be nice to see something like that come back. Um, but... They instantly go even in karting. They don't, you know, the guys who really want to make a name for themselves, they don't even kart in Ireland. They get straight out over to the UK or Europe, Italy generally, um, and then the racing goes that way too. So, bit of a bit of a pity, unfortunately. You know, would be a good way for them to, to learn their craft here. Mm-hmm. It's mad because if you look at MI, you have a rally uh, academy, which is which is quite fruitful. I I don't know. Is there a karting academy set up? I. There's not, I, don't I don't think there's a karting academy. Just a young racing driver of the year like Alex Danning and stuff. Yeah. But, so you that know, sounds like the Billy Coleman Award in rally terms. There's yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very similar. Very similar. Could you could you imagine? I don't. Again, <laughs> there could be one in existence. I don't know. You guys would know better. But if there was an actual academy, which I'm sure that they thought of, uh, to give the same opportunity and platform as rally guys are getting. I mean, as a result, as a direct result of that in rally terms, there's been two world champions. There's been um, a JWRC co-drivers champ, and I think it's his WRC two uh, co-driver champ as well. Uh, direct, directly because of that, like, or you know, there's definitely parallels there. With there's a definite with one, and there's parallels to the other. And you now have a situation where guys are being back to go and compete on WRC events, which is just amazing stuff. Um, so I think that would be quite cool. And just to add one other thing in, the common denominator in all that coverage, whether it was F1 or whether it was rallying on telly or whether it was those exhibition days or Lancer Trophy, uh, from my understanding, is a guy called Michael O'Carroll. <coughs> And you would have heard Peter talk about him last week. Plum Tyndall talks about him and the importance. And it was without him, it seems like we wouldn't have a lot of this stuff to talk about. That he was very influential in bringing motorsport absolutely to a wider audience. Like, so look, it's probably one of those generational things. But I can also say again, I'm drawn a lot of uh, rally comparisons to this one. Uh, but. If you look at it at the minute, Richie, there was a big conversation in rally circles about TV coverage and about streaming and different things. And it all comes down to cost at the end of the day. Who is going to pay for it? And while there may have been a situation once upon a time years ago where funding would have been available or a budget would have been available to go and do it, it's now at a situation where you kind of have to pay to get it onto the TV almost entirely, and it's not cheap. So, I mean... I'm sure the circuit guys are no different to the the stage rally guys in in this respect because overall um, there is a kind of a, a coexistence that's needed. We need the streaming, but we also need the TV stuff to bring it to the audience that is not already captured by the stream, which effectively will be just them. It won't be the casual observer that you may get. It's a lot more difficult to get it, I think, that way. Um, but you know, what, what do you think of the whole thing? But both codes are identical in that sense, where, like, you know, we're the same in at circuit racing, live stream races. Um, um, the, the, we've been lucky enough that the Beacon Hospital have come in and 
sponsored the live stream and for the Sunday races in the new ICCR championship there. Um, but like that, same thing. Anytime we wanted it streamed, it was put on top of your entry. It was it was all always came back to driver. The drivers ended up coughing upward uh, inevitably, like and probably still are. Um, but but you're right with the, the the difference between the streaming and TV is like um, an avid, you know, follower, someone that 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 would actually go and watch a rally or go to Mondello and watch a race meeting. That's the audience you're going to get on a live stream. Whereas TV, as you say, you will just get the casual guy flicking and turn this on and say, oh, you know, hold on, let's just have a look at this for a few minutes and see what's going on with it. So, like I do, the TV is ultra important, but it's, it's, every, it just comes back to cost, 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 cost. It's like, I, I, I'm not sure what the figures are for Rallying, but I'm nearly sure for the live stream of a Sunday, Mondello is, is, you know, it's up on four and five grand for the day. I, I don't go, like, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's, it's somewhere in around there, which is, you know, it's massive money just, just to get streamed for one day. Like, it's a pity, you know, it's a pity because, you know, the sport, let it be rallying or, or, or circuit racing. The sport needs the coverage to survive. You know, it, it does need the coverage to survive um, in both courts. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 110%, man. And, you know, those things those things aren't cheap. And it's, yeah, it seems to be a regular occurrence in, in all motorsport disciplines in Ireland where the competitor does seem to have to pay. Um, and we're also very unfortunate, Richie, where we're in a situation that when there is an energy crisis and when things are moving slowly in terms of business, whether it's economy or whatever, the first thing that always gets cut is someone's marketing spend and marketing budget. And more often than not, that's what you're relying on. It's advertising to pay for these things. And if that amount isn't what it once was, you are going to struggle. And that is a big, big worry. Not to be all doom and gloom about it. We always will have it. It's just to always be in a position where you want to maximize the level of exposure of it. That's that's unfortunate at times. Like. It is. It is. And, and listen, I'm, I'm like Barry, I'm fortunate enough that Yes, absolutely. I could do with sponsors, and I take sponsors, and I, I have sponsors. Um, Barry being the same, but um, we could probably manage to still go and race either way. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I've seen loads of guys start circuit racing, and you you'll probably come for in rallying. Now I've done a bit of rallying myself over the years, so I know the crack that goes on there as well. But I've seen young, enthusiastic guys buy their first race car, do their first race season without sponsorship or without help or without, you know, and, and, and like nine out of 10 of those guys I've seen walked away from this, just walk away from the sport after, after a season when they realize what the cost is involved to do this thing. Like, you know, it's, it's a real shame. Yeah. Retention. That's the holy all of it. Um, even from, just even from a podcast point of view, if, if we've someone on, uh, and there's like, we'll just say a couple of hundred more people, listening and if i keep 50 percent of those geez i'm delighted you know because you're never going to keep the whole lot of them but when you hear statistically like that that's that's quite sad where you might only keep one in ten um, yeah and that's where i suppose everything ties in together where it's advertising whether it's maybe i don't know funding um i know a big cog in the wheel behind that mi rally academy will be john kine who despite being into his 80s is still competing 
still has the graph for it and he's pumping his money back into the sport which gave him so much and continues to give and i'm not sure of figures in circuit racing that are of that equivalent or whether they would be willing to do it but it for sure would be amazing i think uh to see something like happen and and prosper and look you've mentioned a couple of guys there who are lucky enough and fortunate enough to you know be in a position where they're competing at a very good level and have a good chance of making it but imagine we had several of those you you would have several of those if those i suppose platforms were were, were kind of put in place like wouldn't you Oh, you would have easily, you know. Like I say, I've seen it over the years. I'm I'm racing twenty five odd years at this stage, and I, I've seen good guys come and go, and like that. Just cost. The cost is just the issue, regardless whether you're circuit racing or rallying. It's, it's mm, yeah. It's it's a massive outlay. It's it's and and I'll just go back to something Barry touched on earlier as well. You know. The likes of Alex Dunn in circuit racing terms or Alex Denning, you know, those guys are driven with desire as well. You know, it's, it's now, you know, Al, Alex Dunn, you know, he, he's had to do it the hard way. Like, he, you know, you wouldn't have tons of money behind him. Had to go and look for every few Bobby could to get out there and kart race all across Europe. Um, he was one of the guys, like Barry said, done little to no karting in Ireland, very little straight to Europe competing in European championships and but that young fella's desire to make it like that that's probably what's going to get him there in the end because you know I, I know Alex and I know his mother and I know his father personally and really good people work really hard you know the man the dad work three and four jobs just just to keep the guy keep the young fella going and the commitment and the, the desire of that family to push him to the top and and his own desire I think that will that will probably get him there, but at the, in the same breath, you know, unless you have the funds, Kev, it's you know, you're you're sort of you're at nothing really. Yeah, that's the whole all of it. Rich, just back to the F1. Um, so obviously Azerbaijan is next on the thirtieth of April. The season so far, because I know I spent most of it kind of talking about Alonso, and and rightly so. I think it provided very good discussion and intrigue and. Uh, you know, a bit of insight because there, there would be an assumption with a lot of people and I'm not saying I am the lot of people, but I'm one of a lot of people about that particular topic and it's nice to get it from your point of view and Barry's point of view uh, and, you know, a racist point of view as to why and how he's doing what he's doing. But in general, before we get into kind of where things are in terms of standings and stuff, what have you made of the season so far and is Max going to be caught? I don't think so. No, so far, listen, like obviously... It's sort of as you are, only um, Aston Martin have, have thrown their ball up in the air there now as well and, and competing good. And <laughs> it goes back to what we spoke about there earlier. Like the investment, the money that Aston Martin have pumped into their program, you know, they're building a brand new state of the art facility. Um, they've, they've, they've got a couple of really good guys in on the team there. They've, they've recruited some, a couple of guys from Mercedes, another one or two from Red Bull. So Aston Martin have built themselves up a really good team and they are the surprise package so far this season. And I do think, albeit they're not going to win a load of races, I do think Aston Martin will take the top step at some stage this season. But Max, no. There's no one catching Max. Not, not. Barring um, uh, the car lets him down, Max is going to win every day he sits in. Yeah. So obviously uh, another thing we forgot to mention was 
the Irish Independent and Shane Brennan, and thanks to him uh, for having me on for a chat there last week. And it was a great exposure for the Irish F1 show to be on the Irish Independent is is massive. So we we thank Shane for that, and it was very enjoyable. I think Shane's going to have a chat with us here at some stage as well in line with that. But um, we were chatting there about a number of things last week, Piastri and um, Ricardo and the comparisons and the tangents of, of where that's all gone. But another thing I kind of mentioned was, and just look at the standings now, there's 15 points between Perez and Verstappen. So if Perez was to go and win Azerbaijan, does that throw the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit? Yeah, it does. It does, but it doesn't. Um, I think we, we spoke about this sort of last year as well. And, you know, I, I watched your your um, piece with Shane uh, for the Independent. It was very good. Um, ultimately, Max is number one, and he will be number one. And he, the team will protect him, and they'll make sure he wins the championship, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the one thing I would say about Max, towards the end of last season, and so far this season, Chase has gone into a moany little fucker, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, he is, um, It's something I wouldn't have put him down for, but he's just, he's starting to annoy me a little bit. I'd actually, I'd, I'd love to see Perez start putting the fight to him, but ultimately, Max will be looked after. He'll be, he'll be, He'll be shepherded. He'll be, he, he's the new Sebastian Vettel of Red Bull. Like same mm. thing, you know. They protected him in every any controversy, anything said done over the years. He was protected and backed up to the last by the team. It'll be the very same with Max. Max is Red Bull, and Red Bull is Max, as you said last year, Richie, famously. So sixty nine, Max is on fifty four. Perez forty five. Alonso. Um, I I don't see him being in the mix with with the two boys, but like you, I do see him winning. A race or two this year and I think that day when that happens it will be great and I'll cut this clip and play it as well just to say we call it <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it will be uh, Lewis Hamilton next up on 38 again I have to say kudos to Lewis I think he's been remarkable and he knows he said himself he's not a one with the car he's not entirely comfortable but to, to bring it in uh, you know on the podium um is is quite remarkable in my opinion and again it's a real signal of just how good he is i mean i spoke about when i saw him in barcelona last year the way we put it myself and barry were on that program digesting it, it was that if they were all driving around in white cars with white suits and white helmets you'd be able to pick him out because he was just that good you could see the difference and his class is showing again uh, i mean i've not but admiration for him i think a lot of Probably the, the frustration, there was a number of things, right, <laughs> we spoke about, whether it was maybe, you know, Angela Cullen has left them, which we haven't spoke about, but maybe it was it was that and seeing, you know, her carry all the stuff or whether it was the, the grateful thing, which I think is sincere, but it's just not for Irish people. The one thing we probably gave him a hard time about was the fact that he kept winning the whole time, and we don't like someone who keeps winning the whole time. But then when you peel back the layers of the onion a little bit, right, you can't have anything but admiration for him. He's incredible, Richie. I, in my opinion, unless you have anything to no. offer to the no. country. No, I absolutely, totally agree with you. He's 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 a phenomenon as well. You know, I mean, seven world titles, and we've all said, listen, I've had this argument countless times where I I counter argue the fact that Schumacher won his seven world titles with much tougher opponents and much tougher opposition back in the day, um, but. In the same breath, you know, Hamilton is, you know, he's he's, he's different gravy, you know, he's, and and George Russell, his teammate, in 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 the same breath, you know, they're, they're they're phenomenal, like like 
same thing like Lewis is pushing on too and you know his desire still seems to be there his determination still seems to be there um, like bring it home last week on the podium like that was a fair result and a well-deserved result because a lot of times last year when Mercedes found ourselves on the podium, we'd sat on the show and said it was down to other people's misfortune more so than Mercedes being back at the level they need. Yeah, but last Sunday, like that was a that was a credible place finish, you know, well-deserved from Lewis. And, and yeah, you're right, he, he is. It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon drive. Yeah, unbelievable driver indeed. Uh, the constructor standings, 123, Red Bull, 65, Aston Martin, Mercedes, 56, Ferrari, 26. It's been an absolute bleep bleep uh, for Ferrari this year. Um, we thought it was possibly going to be at an end, but whether it's just what science kind of went through at the end or what Charles went through at the start, it's not been pretty at all, at all. And what did you make of Science's reaction after the collision and subsequently, you know, his reaction in the car when he was told it was going to be, you know, the penalty or whatever? Yeah, you think, like, Jesus, Ferrari or... Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a Ferrari fan, you know. Yeah, same. Know that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it breaks me hard to see them where they are. And they really shouldn't be where they are. You know, they have the resources, they have the facilities, the people. Um, sort of goes back to what we spoke about last year as well and, and a couple of times. Ferrari are afraid of Ferrari. They're, they're afraid to be Ferrari. Like I thought with Fred Vazir coming in now, he would be someone that would, you know, make a decision or grab the ball. Why is Fred is there there now? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I thought he would have, I thought he would have been a lot more demanding of the team than he is. I thought, you know, Whereas, you know, we all sort of thought Benotti got a hard day, a hard time there, but or maybe he wasn't the man for the job. But as it's turning out, like, it's a tougher job than we gave Benotti credit for. And as regard Carlos, like, she should have to feel very sorry for Carlos. Like, that was an extremely harsh five-second penalty as far as I'm concerned. Like, there was absolutely no difference in the contact with him and Alonso than there was on the first lap with Lance Stroll and Charles of the Charles Leclerc, and there was no no penalty given for that open lap contact between an Aston Martin and Ferrari. But mm. Carlos got the I thought it was a very harsh penalty. He didn't deserve it at all, and I can understand why he was so upset about. It. I don't know the legal side of this, but in my head, I'm thinking, how can someone get a penalty for a lap that didn't exist? Yeah, that's the other is that, side. Is that a right or wrong way of interpreting that? No. It's it's the right way to interpret it, like, and and this is this is the other side of it where F one continues to make a show of itself when it comes down to that end of it. You know, you go back to twenty twenty one in Azerbaijan, and like they got rid of of the guy there last season. That you know, Massey, Massey got rid of Massey, thinking that was going to cure it. Like it's like they got rid of one clown and hired twenty more. You know, this type of thing. Like, <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know who's running that madhouse of, a, of an organisation, but I mean, you know, there was so much better ways that race could have ended. Like, all right, <laughs> I'll have to post the disclaimer. That's Richard Carney's opinion and not the Irish F1 show's opinion. <laughs> 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 I hope Michael Massey's not listening to this. <laughs> I, I couldn't oh, imagine so. 
No, I don't think so. Somehow or another. <laughs> and if he is Michael, I apologise. Sorry. <laughs> 20, 20 other Jesus. The Fawcett Circus, is it? Or Duffy Circus? <laughs> I don't know what but um, I have to give a shout out to, to someone. Rob King, F1 producer. Um, <laughs> Rob was in touch. I can't think of the exact message, but he wrote back to our Instagram post. And all I could think about was that man spent most of that race Thinking, all right, drama free, nearly out the gap, probably won't be much hardship, and then <laughs> chaos. And it's like, oh man, I'm gonna be here for the fucking night. I'm never gonna get out of this place. <laughs> you know, that's that's all I could think of because you know that that will go on for a long, long time after the race is finished. And we're going to have a chat with Rob at some stage, and that would be that would be very interesting as well. And looking forward to it. But um, yeah, I mean, look, that's that, that's kind of where we're at, Richie. I suppose in, in terms of the nitty gritty. Um, we have a few weeks now of a reprieve. Obviously, we've had a few big hitters on. We have other big hitters lined up. And, uh, yeah, things are not moving too bad for us at all, I think, are they? Oh, it's grand. It's grand. It's good to, good to get back there and get an old podcast done again there. And, we'll, as you said, uh, at the, the, high, the highlight of the show there, we were, you know, busy times at the moment, unfortunately, for the three of us. We're all pretty much flat out the whole time. And I think we get next weekend out of the way and let our race season start and, let things start to settle down and we'll get back to more regular base. That's it. We'll see how it all pans out. I'm looking forward to it. Richie, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks a million. Thanks, Kev. See you. Good man. Richie Carney there and Barry Rabbit joined us a little bit earlier. So Barry just had to scoot off. Big thanks to PFT Travel and MJ Farrell. Find them on Facebook and on Instagram. They'll bring you anywhere you want in the country, covering most of the Leinster area. They'll come and pick you up. I'd say if you ask them nicely, they'll pick you up anywhere. PFT Travel. MurrayMotorsport.com, of course, uh, as we said at the top of the program. If you use the promo code Irish Rally Podcast on the MurrayMotorsport.com website, uh, apply discount code section just before you go to the checkout. Uh, 10% discount on a wide variety of products. So thanks to uh, all in Murray Motorsport. I'm a shout out there for Palace Storage.ie, Richard Carney Engineering, Deliver It, KSNPM, and of course, Rapco. Also, that's where we leave it for now. We'll chat to you again very, very soon indeed.